P.S. You're Wrong, the podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love. And obviously, Shelby is not here this week because I am having to do this speech and I had to type it out for myself because I wasn't sure what actually the uh, the words were. But while she is on maternity leave, she has not had the baby yet, but it is coming shortly. We have a special guest who is filling in. It's Sarah Grill, who is not only a great dear friend of mine, but is also um, an associate editor at St. Martin's. Yes, that is true. As of one week ago. And let me just say, Matt, your maternity leave policy here is really forward thinking European, I would say. <laughs> Two, th- what are you? What are we three days away? And you finally let her off the hook? We're a few days, yeah, away from, I think, the due date. But, you know, we were like, I, I, I was like, I'll give you Thanksgiving. I'll give you the week before your due date. You know, it's it's very, we're very fancy and very accommodating here. Unbelievable. Shelby had to submit a formal request, but I accepted it. So <laughs> it was, it's good to go. So what have you been up to? How was your uh, Thanksgiving? This is the week after Thanksgiving. We're talking about Hillbilly Elegy, a classic thanksgiving release movie uh did you do anything fun yeah i am uh reporting to you live from my mother's guest room (laughs) where i have been living uh since march 16th so that is i don't want to think i don't want to do the math on that it's been a minute it's been a while um i think like perhaps many of your listeners i have been displaced and i'm living at home so thanksgiving um was like any other meal over the past nine months. Lots of family time and togetherness, day in, day out, <laughs> family time. Um, no, it was good. Pretty small. We've always had a, like a small family get together. Mm-hmm. So we, we don't have any like weird cousins or big family traditions or drunk uncles. I mean, I'm sure I'm the drunk uncle. <laughs> nothing. We, I don't think we missed out on anything. How was yours? <laughs> It was good. It was good. Also pretty chill. I did not go home to see the family at all. I was like, that just feels like a disaster waiting to happen with people flying in from various locations. Um, So me and sort of like a couple of friends in my quarantine bubble here uh, went up to a house up in upstate New York uh, in a town that I can't remember the name of, but it was like a house in the woods and it was up against a wooded state park of some variety so we sort of like just hiked through the mud and ate a bunch of food and watched some movies and it was very chill but it was very lovely i must say i have seen that horror movie i think i said at the beginning of the weekend i was like this looks like the house from hereditary there's woods everywhere i'm waiting for the naked cult people to come out and try to kill me so it sounds like cabin in the woods but no chris hemsworth you're saying was there sadly no i mean if he was there i did not see him so maybe he was murdering guests somewhere else but you never know not by me um but anyways we should get started and we have a review all the way from ireland which i'll read we've are you gonna read it in an irish accent or no you you know i I think that might be a real fast way to lose to lose (laughs) the listener never get a review again (laughs) yeah I'll be reading this as Saoirse Ronan. Uh, no, <laughs> but but I uh, we learned that if you live in a country that's not America, you can't leave it. Well, you can leave an Apple review, but we can't figure out how to see it. It's just like in the Irish uh, iTunes somewhere and we have no access. So now we're forcing our foreign fans to email them to us. So, you know, and you have a lot of foreign fans. Oh, I mean, at least about five so far. So Hello I'm sure plenty fans. more out there. <laughs> I mean, I guess also we probably have lots of fans in. Well, I was going to say, you know what? No, this this train of thought, because I was like, well, we might have fans who don't speak English. But then if they don't speak English, they wouldn't be listening to the podcast. So that doesn't Maybe make any sense. people are learning English from the podcast, though. <laughs> we are the duolingo of the Uzbekistan. I love uh, her new single. So good. <laughs> that was a bad joke. Was- you know, we'll take it. We'll take it. Okay. <laughs> so, okay, so read your review. The review says, Dear Shelby and Matt, sorry, Sarah, you're not included in this. I've been meaning to write this email for months now, seeing as the two of you are always yapping on about wanting reviews. So here we are. I started listening to the podcast at the beginning of quarantine after listening to a few episodes of Swiftish, which is uh, Shelby's. Yeah. 
Taylor Swift podcast. It is an under it is an understatement to say that I ha- that it has stuck, and now I never miss an episode. I've been listening through the 5K running phase of lockdown, through my many baking endeavors, and now that I'm back at university while I'm studying, I still listen. There is something so lovable about your friendship, the constant banter and crack. Crack. I don't crack. That's, I just learned that. That is slang for I forget, but it is slang. It's Irish slang. Yes, I believe, oh right? I mean, like, what's the crack, right? That means like what's up? <laughs> sure. Uh, that you know, we'll go with it. That you have, and all the great book and movie recommendations. My favorite episode was the cats review. The brutal mm-hmm. honesty was hilarious, and I always love hearing Matt's perspective on the wonderful world of Taylor Swift. Sarah, are you are you a big Taylor Swift person? I am a big Taylor Swift person. I am not a Disney Plus person, however, so I have not watched the new documentary. But I'm looking for if anybody has a login that they're willing to share. I am Wait, open. She, she has a new. Disney Plus documentary? Yes. It's she just released playing, She's a playing Folklore live. Oh, so it's like a concert sort of thing. It's a concert. But... And then she and Jack and the guy from The National, I believe, are all like talking about writing the album. Okay. Okay. That doesn't sound and that interesting to me. More importantly, confirming that Joe Alwyn was the co-writer Oh, songs. Joe Alwyn was the mystery was, person. Yes, was William Bowery. There William speaking. Bowery. Um, well, we all knew there. that, didn't we? It was the well. Sh- I think Shelby thought it was Harry Styles, but mm-hmm. apparently not. Mm-hmm. Shelby misinformed. Anyways, congratulations, that. Shelby, on your pregnancy, and best of luck with everything over the coming months. Love from definitely your number one fan in Ireland, Eve. Ah. Thank you so much, Eve. Um, your kind <laughs> words really mean a lot. I'm glad that. You appreciate all the hard work that I've done on this podcast. And um, what's the crake, I guess? (laughs) You've put in a solid seven minutes at this point, Sarah. So really, you're doing great. So while Shelby's away, usually we do two episodes a week. Now we're just doing one. We're trimming it back so that I don't have to, you know, find 700,000 guests co-hosts because I don't have that many friends. So we're smashing it all together into one episode. So let's get to the pop culture news. Sarah, what is the story of the week that you would like to discuss? Well, story of the week is a strong phrase. Uh, (laughs) But the story of the week in my house, which once again is my mother and I, has been... um, Are you watching The Crown? Oh, yes, I am. Yes. Um... We are watching The Crown. We are specifically watching the scenes with Diana in them, and we are fast-forwarding through the rest. What? <laughs> we can't, you... as a pair, make it through one episode without falling asleep, so this is, like, the happy medium <laughs> that we have reached. Sarah, but you're missing all of the the Margaret Thatcher scenes where Gillian Anderson talks Choose scenery. like this, Sarah. <laughs> In the slowest possible way. Well, the real star was the rat that ran across the screen. Wait, there was a rat? The, there's a rat in the latest episode of The Crown. And sharing the screen with Olivia Coleman herself, which is no easy feat, let me just say. This is like <laughs> Ratatouille level fame. Yes. And Remy. The question really is, is this like a... Game of Thrones Starbucks cup mistake or was this an intentional like is there a metaphor behind it because it's the moment where they're all waiting to hear if Charles proposes to Diana guess what he does and the queen is waiting for the phone call and then a rat scurries by in the scene so what is the I... meaning behind this rat what was his motivation in that scene is kind of been the discussion in my house okay I mean I've seen this episode and I don't remember the rat so it's like in the background sort of right in the front front and center matt and they and we don't know and the people haven't come out and said what the rat is there for no one has confirmed yet Mm-mm. Hmm. well this is intriguing i'm gonna have to uh set a google alert on my phone for the crown rat in case any late breaking news comes out and we don't think that the rat ties in anywhere else i haven't seen the last two episodes that you haven't seen anything that's not diana exactly so Who's to say? Maybe he has like a major story arc and 
because we've been fast forwarding, we've missed it. Maybe it's Peter Predigrew from Harry Potter. It very well could be. Um, did you watch the Ibble Dibble scene of The Crown? I I don't know what that is, and I don't <laughs> like what you're implying. Sarah, it's literally the best scene of the whole season, where they're all all they're all playing some party game, which I can only assume is. British thing because I've never heard of it called Ibble Dibble where you take the burnt end of like a wine bottle cork and like do this thing where you have to say like Ibble Dibble Dibble Dribble it's like a weird tongue twister and then if you get it wrong somebody sticks the burnt end of the cork on your face and you get a big old black dot and it's just the whole family sitting around with all these cork dots on their face this is what happens when people think that they are too good for old-fashioned bananagrams (laughs) <laughs> well i mean in their in their defense i think probably bananagrams weren't invented yet you know i haven't looked into that that's a good point what an odd game is it like a drinking game i don't know it was unclear on the show exactly how it worked other than margaret thatcher was really bad at it uh mm. But but I think it's like tongue twisters and you somehow like pass the cork around. And then if the somebody messes up the tongue twister, they get a black dot on the head. We're going to have to really go to our Irish correspondent, Eve, and check to see, one, what crake means. And two, yep. if she's ever played Ibble Dibble or if maybe that's just a British thing and not an Irish thing. So many questions. I know, we're going to have to get our British fans to weigh in. Do yes. we have a British fan? You know, uh, we do. We do have at least one because I think they emailed us Uh, and they also use slang, but they told us it was slang. So I was I was on to what they were doing. But another interesting story that I feel like uh, has been slowly unfolding throughout this past week is the drama with all the Grammy nominations. Did you Mm -hmm. follow the story at all with the Grammys? I I dip in and out of the Grammys. Um, I'm more (laughs) interested in the uh, MTV Video Music Awards, personally. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, that's my that's my real holy grail. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like it's just a big scam, isn't it? I feel like people have been calling out the Grammys for a long time. Well, I mean, that, yes, yes. The Grammys are always a slight disaster. But this year, the nominations came out, and The Weeknd, who arguably had one of the biggest albums and i think the biggest song of the year so far in um, blinding light Light, yes a classic tiktok song and then also you know a radio crossover hit uh did got no nominations didn't get nominations in the main categories didn't get nominations in like the subcategories and the grammys famously have seven thousand categories so if you don't get any nominations it's really sort of a slap in the face yeah they can't find one thing to nominate it for. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So then he, The weekend released a statement that said the Grammys remain corrupt. You mm-hmm. owe me, my fans, and the industry transparency. So I don't know if uh, I'm not sure if he like wants vote totals or what exactly he's asking for here. I, I think, think that I think he's demanding a recount. <laughs> yes. The, <laughs> is that too soon? Too touchy, soon? touchy, touchy subject. Touchy <laughs> subject. We're in the middle of a coup, Sarah. We can't, we cannot be uh, discussing that on air. Anyways, the so so the weekend comes out, makes his complaint, says he wants more transparency. Then other people, such as Elton John and Drake, who I guess have had issues with the Grammys in the past, also came out. Uh, Drake said that he wants to get rid of the Grammys altogether and create something new that we can build over time and pass on to the generations to come. I think we should stop allowing ourselves to be shocked every year by the disconnect between impactful music and these awards. So he just wants Grammys uh, gone altogether. But then coming truly out of left field was Halsey, who released a like a notes app statement, I think, on Instagram complaining about how she also didn't get any Grammy nominations, which I think is slightly less shocking. But, you know, if we want to throw her on the pile as well, she's and so she said the Grammys are an exclusive process. It can often be about behind the scenes, private performances, knowing the right people campaigning through the grapevine with the right handshakes and bribes that can just oh. be ambiguous enough to pass as not bribes. So Halsey is now saying that some of these people who got Grammy nominations instead of her were bribing the Music Academy. Do you have thoughts? Wow. I mean, I'll start by saying 
in in sh- in the spirit of Shelby, since Taylor Swift was snubbed for Album of the Year for Reputation, I have not trusted uh, the Grammys. I do not believe in their decision making. Wow, but bribery, that's like a whole step up. I can see it. I can honestly see it. I feel like if you're not asked to perform, like you know you're not winning, you know? So they like Oh yeah. coordinate together and probably like slip a little something something so that they can get top billing and like a really, you know, smoke machine filled performance. Well, I feel like last year because I think we, I don't usually watch the Grammys, but I want to say that we did an episode about it last year. So I think I had to watch it, but I could be getting it mixed up with like the music, the MTV awards or whatever else. But the People's Choice Awards. Yes, well. the People's Choice Awards, the Teen Choice Awards, you know, all of the classics, which honestly have about the same level of clout for me. But wasn't it a thing where like, Lots of the big people weren't even there, like Ariana Grande or whoever wasn't even at the Grammys because it was like, yeah, they knew they weren't going to win. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's this. I feel like the same thing happened with because I remember the weekend was saying something like he had been invited to perform and was planning a performance. And at the last minute, they canceled it and he got no nominations. I feel like the same thing happened to Ariana last year. Oh, okay. Interesting. So. Maybe sure they're, when the, the bribing are. is not happening at the artist level. Maybe it's happening at like the managers behind the scenes. Oh the yeah, artists are just going along on their way, and then suddenly the floor goes out from under them. Last year, Billie Eilish won all four of the major awards, and you cannot tell me that Billie Eilish was out here bribing people. Like somebody else was doing her dirty work for her. Absolutely, she's twelve years old. I, I don't get the Billie hype. I'm sorry. Is that okay to say? I mean, I I liked her. Did I think she deserved every single award? No, but you know, at the same time, like, what were the? I, I now I can't even remember what the other nominees were this year. Let's go through the album of the year nominees this year and just tell me if you have any faves in the mix. Well, we have Taylor Swift, so obviously that. But I've never even heard of half these people. Granted, I know nothing about music, but like Jenny Iko, do we know who that is? Black Pumas. Her. Coldplay, okay, blast from the past. I have heard of Coldplay. All yeah. right, <laughs> Jacob Collier, don't know Heim. I was, I was at a Heim. Were you also at the Heim concert? I was not at the Heim concert. You were not at the I'm Heim not, concert. I think that the the Heim sisters and the Kirk sisters are the same people, and you cannot convince me that they are not. Who are the Kirk sisters? Uh, Lola Kirk, Jemima Kirk, and uh, the ever famous Domino Kirk, who is. I believe married to Penn Badgley. Who are these people? Jemima, I have never heard Jemima of any Kirk's of them. From Girls, I didn't watch that show. No, oh, and Lola Kirk is from cult favorite Mozart in the Jungle, which I watched religiously. <laughs> Did you fall asleep during that and only watch certain scenes, or you could make it through the whole episode? No, I, I was wide. That's about the uh, New York Philharmonic Orchestra, oh. so I was wide awake. <laughs> okay so you can't tell the difference between the heim people you were not at the concert i was at the concert i think sierra was at the concert that's who yes. was there that we i ran into her dua lipa is nominated for album of the year post malone and then taylor swift so <laughs> aside from taylor swift do you have any rooting interest in here i have a weird affinity for post malone i don't know why i i can't believe i'm about to say this on a recorded tape but i <laughs> find post malone very attractive oh. um, I, I hate that i can see the little line where that confession has been recorded forever <laughs> and i regret it but i do i i enjoy his music i like his perspective loved circles i thought it was a bop i'm gonna root for post such malone. a bop such a bop would you ever get a face tattoo if he asked me to <laughs> i would <laughs> post if you're listening I would. I think they call him Posty. I think that's what his friends call him. Oh, do I feel like I've heard that. We have a special relationship, so I have a special nickname for him. Okay. <laughs> his real name. Actually, that's you? not his real name. What's his real Would I ever get a face tattoo? Well, oh. I was asking who who were you rooting for for the Grammys? Oh. I guess I guess I want to know the answer to both those questions. I mean, I think pr- I do like Haim, so maybe them. Although I did not love their last album as much. I did like the new Dua Lipa album, though, so maybe I'm rooting for Dua Lipa. Definitely not Taylor Swift. And I also do like okay. Post Malone. Uh, as far as a face tattoo, 
I don't think I would get a real face tattoo, but I have thought on multiple times about getting the weird like inside your lip tattoo that no no one can see. And then it sort of like dissolves, but you still have the clout of like having an inside the lip tattoo. But I feel like it would hurt a lot and be very difficult to get. So I I also don't know what I would get there. The pain would not be worth the payoff, you know. Yeah, but just imagine me at Christmas parties just whipping that bad boy out. That's true. I feel like the only way to show someone that tattoo is very confrontational, you know? (laughs) Like, you really have to, like, grab your lip and pull it down. Mm -hmm. And I I feel like it might make you come off as as sort of off-putting at at family get-togethers. No, no. And not if I just had a a I Love Heim inside the lip tattoo. No. People would love that. It'd be great. Okay. Well, you know what? The only way to know is, is to try. That's true. That is so true. Uh, speaking of tacky tattoos, I don't know. Like, eh, were there tacky tattoos? There definitely had to have been somewhere in Hillbilly Elegy. I which... was going to say, speaking of family get-togethers, because Matt, this one, I think, hit too close to home for both of us as Midwesterners. Um, just right from the opening scene, I, too, actually have rescued a turtle from a highway <laughs> in Ohio. I I have also uh, rescued a turtle in my time. Not scarred, and my friends also did not try to kill it, but I definitely have taken a turtle off the road and put it on the side of the road and said, yep. like, don't go back there. We brought ours you home. His better. name was Tiger. He was a very uh-huh. good turtle. He lived in the pond, and uh, he ran away. So, yes, we're talking about Hillbilly Elegy, which is the new Netflix movie. It just came out this past week, right in time for Thanksgiving, right in time for everybody flying home for the holidays to the Midwest to spread COVID. And this was based on the book Hillbilly Elegy by J.D. Vance, which I, I did not read, but came out around the time that Trump won the election because I remember it being sort of like, if you are confused as to why Trump won, you should read this book and it will mm-hmm. sort of like explain the mindset of the people who voted for Donald Trump. Did you ever read this or did I it ever did cross your it. path? I read it very quickly and I read it a long time ago. So my recollections are not very strong, but I do recall the same thing where it was like, I think it came out in the summer of 2016 and then had like an explosion in paperback when Trump won and everyone was just scrambling for answers do you remember liking it or not liking it like was it boring was it interesting was it a fun read like what was the vibe of the book decidedly not a fun read (laughs) um i mean it's a it's kind of like this the movie adaptation it's it's a pull yourself up by your bootstraps american success story you know it's it's designed to sort of pull at your heartstrings and show you a different side of of America that maybe some of us are not so familiar with um but then it it veered into like political stuff and questionable like policy comments and that's I'm just not interested just not interested yeah cuz the basic story is this man JD Vance grows up as a part of like a hillbilly sort of family, which I, for whatever reason, thought that this was based in the South. Like I thought this was like a deep Mississippi, but it's actually just a suburb of Cincinnati that they're at. Yeah. So the thing I do remember out of the book is that it spent a lot more time talking about his summers in Kentucky, which is where like, I think his, his mom was from and mama is from. <laughs> yes. Um, the hill people, as she says. The, the We're hill people, honey. Um, <laughs> so it spent a lot more time sort of unpacking that and had more of a Southern feel. The movie focused almost solely on their life once they had left and gone back to Ohio, which, according to my mother, was a very popular thing. So my family is from Columbus, actually. Um, oh. And when all of the like steel mills and coal mines in Kentucky were shutting down, they all there was sort of a migration um, of those families up to the Ohio area and like Columbus and Cincinnati. And so she remembers herself, like all of a sudden these new kids coming into school who were all like from Kentucky and had these thick accents and were from the, you know, quote unquote holler. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely more of a, a Southern vibe in the book than the movie, I would say. And it was interesting also because the 
the town in Ohio that they're in is Middletown, Ohio, which is where my grandmother is from. And I somehow or another had not picked up on this fact at all in the like five years since this book has come out. Yeah, I have this written down. Um, I took notes, by the way. My mom and I watched this last night and I took copious notes. Um, I asked my mom if we were from there. And she said, where are they? And I said, Middletown. And she said, is that a real place? <laughs> so you're telling well, me it is real place. Uh, yes, I'm I'm fairly certain. Because we had to go back there in a, in a similar uh, to Hillbilly Elegy move. I had to go back to Middletown, Ohio, a town that I had spent no time in before for my grandmother's funeral a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. However, it was not the Hill People ensemble that we saw in the uh in the movie they didn't line on the streets with their hats in their hands just welcoming you home no no they did not which i was very which and now looking back on it i feel like was disrespectful yeah, uh, to our family um but so uh, jd vance the the main character the person who wrote the book he grows up in this town in ohio with a mother who is like an alcoholic, a drug addict, like is sort of like always has a different boyfriend. Um, he then starts to get into trouble and Glenn Close's character, Mama, sort of comes and asks JD to live with her and then sort of like berates into him this like sense of hard work. And he joins the army and grows up and works hard and eventually ends up in Yale grad school to become a lawyer. And sort of the, the setup for the movie is that adult JD Vance, who is trying to get like some kind of summer internship at a law firm has to go back because his mother has relapsed in her drug addiction. And so that's the main story. And then we're getting all these flashbacks of him growing up and the turtle and the weird funeral and mama smoking all over the place and just all of, all of that jazz. Did you think that the, that the, was the narrative in the book the uh, like a similar structure where it kept going back and forth, or was it more chronological in the book? I have no clue. I have no <laughs> earthly idea. Um, c- certainly couldn't have been this many flashbacks. I mean, it was, this was flashback city, I would say. Yeah, it was a lot of flesh. It was this movie. I felt like was making a lot of very weird choices, and it's directed by Ron Howard. Um, mm-hmm who directed A Beautiful Mind, Apollo 13. I did not realize that he also directed the Jim Carrey Grinch movie. So really a wild swings. But most recently, he's done the Da Vinci Code movies and Solo, the Star Wars movie. And I'm just like, I don't know what kind of choices you're making here because these all seem sort of strange and none of them have done very well, I don't think. Yeah. So... I don't, I don't know the all of the flashbacks and stuff I guess well I guess just in general did you like this movie did you not like this movie like sort of what were your what were your expectations and then what was the vibe coming out of it sure here's the thing um my expectations no offense Matt were quite low <laughs> um I have only been on this podcast one other time but yes you did not invite me on to uh, discuss a good movie shall no. we say um, so I kind of knew uh, to lower my expectations going in. Here's the thing. It it wasn't a, a bad movie, you know? Like, I watched the whole thing, and I kind of got sucked in. But at the end of it, like, there was no substance behind it, you know? And talking about these flashback scenes, it's like, there was no moment to take a breath, you know? It was like, mm-hmm. every single scene was big, dr- like, a big dramatic moment from his childhood, or like, a big reckoning with his mother in the present day and they were yelling and amy adams hair was all over the place and Mm -hmm. mamaw's chain smoking and it just felt very like we were jumping from chaotic scene to chaotic scene and we didn't have that sort of moment of quiet to connect to these people Mm -hmm. you know so it was like you're watching this family fall apart and disintegrate and explode but you don't really care that it's happening. Yeah. I also felt like I didn't get what the point of the story was. It sounds like in the book, there's more of a, 
like a policy sort of mm. component where he's telling these stories about growing up and about how he overcame poverty and the struggles of his childhood to become a successful lawyer and that uh, that we can learn from his story things that would make the world better or or that we would understand through that like why all of these people voted for Trump which i think is the you know general reason why a lot of people read this book right but i think for the movie for whatever reason they must have sort of scrubbed that all out because there was really nothing here at all about politics and i was confused as we were going through like what what are we aiming for like what is the message that this movie is trying to tell and i also couldn't tell like who was sort of a good character or a bad character like you get to the end and you realize oh the story is that like mama saved jd taught him these valuable lessons and that's what has led him to be a lawyer but for most of the movie, she's just sort of weird and smoking and wandering around. At one point, we get a we get a flashback to her lighting her husband on fire, and it's just like casual flashback, yeah, yeah. So it's like, well, she's not a good character, so you're not rooting for her the whole time, or or thinking of her as important. So when you get to the end and they try to sell you this, like, well, actually, Mama's the one who saved us. It's like, well wait a second, but wasn't she the one who lit her husband on fire and, like, has two derelict children? Like, I don't know. It just, I wasn't sure what the message was at any point. Not that a movie needs a message, but this was, like, a schmaltzy sort of movie, so it felt like I needed a takeaway. Exactly. And and I think that they definitely stripped the politics out of it, but in a way, that's, like, what centered the book and made it make sense, you know? Mm-hmm. And my problem with it is that they're focusing it so much on his story and this, you know, rags to riches narrative, because that's what America, an American audience enjoys consuming. And, mm-hmm. you know, Ron Howard, sorry, I, I don't know him personally, but like Ron assumes <laughs> that, you know, we'll connect with JD because we see that he has put in hard work and pulled himself out of this situation. And we know we have to root for him. But this, the problem with the rags to riches story and the problem with, sorry to get into it, but like American capitalism and consumerism, whatever, mm-hmm. is that there are structural, you know, systemic issues in place that impede progress. And the reason that the rest of, you know, the quote unquote Hill people and his family members are not succeeding isn't because they are not pulling themselves up by their bootstraps or you know not working hard enough in some way it's because there are systems in place that are beating them down and with when you take that out of this you know movie narrative this book narrative it just becomes like substanceless it's just taking like the hollywood sheen of it and and ignoring the real issues behind it well, because I think it should be said that J.D. Vance is a Republican uh, sort of speaker. Um, right. I don't even know, like personality author, because he's not like a like litigator. He's not like a, a politician, but he's not a he's not really a journalist. He's some kind of thing in between. He's, and, I think he's a venture capitalist. Oh, maybe that's what he's doing. Anyways. A little, a, a little hand in every pot, I guess. But so I can and this. So he's a Republican. He writes this book. The book becomes a huge runaway bestseller and one of, you know, the sort of books of the year. Obviously, they're going to want to adapt it. And you've got these really two rich characters in the center of it, of the mom, Bev, who's played by Amy Adams, and the grandma, Mama, who's played by Glenn Close. So you can see these like two really rich, full roles. And you can see why a producer would want to make this into a movie but Mm -hmm. then everybody in hollywood or a lot of the people in hollywood are sort of these liberal elites so they don't necessarily want to agree with whatever the the viewpoint of the book is so i think that's where it ran into trouble is that you had sort of liberal people trying to tell a story that is inherently like pro-conservative values in its book form and like anti-welfare yeah right yeah and and i think the other thing is that i kept saying to my mom like i wish that the story had focused on his sister 
who yeah. had stayed, you know, and stayed and, and built a stable life for herself and her family and, you know, was still with the guy she was with in high school and had a job. And, you know, it's it's our need to have these. It can't just be, you know, you grew up in a tough upbringing, but you ended up with an OK life and you, you know, there's that line about how she she hasn't like forgotten, but she forgives her mom and she's working on forgiving her. It has mm-hmm. to be, oh, I came out of this bad situation and then I became, I went to Yale and I became a lawyer in like the top of the, yes, the liberal elite, you know, like mm-hmm. you have to make it this shining American exceptionalism to even get your story. Like, you know, that's the reason he got a book deal. But I think the stories that are more important and perhaps like would have more emotional heft than I think this movie did the stories of the people who stayed, you know, and are still stuck in those cycles and are breaking out of them, maybe in smaller ways, but in really powerful ways, you know. Well, and especially because you get the sense that he has not been home very much over the past however many years. So it's like he left. He doesn't have to deal with this. It's the sister who is like on a daily basis having to deal with this mother and her unraveling at various points. So I, I agree. And also the... For whatever reason, I, I'm very confused about the casting of this movie. So they got Haley Bennett to play the sister, who is who is good. She's a good actress. She's been in other things. The actors who are playing both the like adult version and the child version of J.D. Vance are people who I have never seen, never heard of before. And they're basically the leads of the movie. Like, I know the poster is like Amy Adams and Glenn Close, but the story is following the J.D. character, who is the narrator. Right. And... I just felt nothing for him. The actor who plays him as an adult is Gabriel Basso. And I was just like, what is like, why did you cast this person? He is being eaten alive in every scene with any other actress that he's in. And he's just so dull the whole time. Like I didn't, I didn't want to watch him or his story at all. I wanted much more of like Mama or Amy Adams or the sister. I don't know. Why would they? Like, do you have any thoughts on why they cast him? Um, I think they cast him because he is boring. I think that this was not, even though he was the main character, and I, you have to note that the real J.D. Vance was a producer on this, you know? Yes. So he is, obviously, it's his story, it's his life, and they're adapting it. And so he is, by default, the main character in his own story. Mm-hmm. But this was a vehicle for Glenn Close. This is Glenn Close getting the Oscar. Like, I don't think I think they would have cast anybody in that role because the more like boring they are to play, they're like a blank slate for Glenn Close to play off of, I think. And Amy Adams as well, who should have had an Oscar a long time ago, which I will not get into because I will get upset. But I I think that this was just this was Oscar bait gone wrong, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, we should definitely get into the Oscars of it all because. Well, yes, here's the game I was playing. I want to know what clip did you think they're gonna play for like you know when they not but then they go through all the nominations and they play a little clip from so which which clip do you think they'll play for each one's nomination i have an idea i feel like for amy adams they have to play the clip where she's like crawling around on the floor uh after like relapsing in the bathroom oh i felt like that was like the scene that was her like most over the top do you have a different pick for her I was going to say the roller skating in the hospital. Oh, that's also a good scene. But I think I feel like that's not an um, I feel like that was like we need more like crying, right? For the Oscar, you have to be crying. Yeah. I feel like I don't know. I think there was like a deranged joy to her there that yes. felt really powerful to me. A new side of her, you know. Glenn Close, honestly, uh, I mean, any of sort of her weird zingers, I feel like, that she has, where she's, like, smoking and shuffling around in that giant t-shirt and then just, like, spouts a one-liner that skewers somebody. I don't have one in particular, but... What does cancel your birth certificate mean? What does it (laughs) mean to cancel one's birth certificate? I think it means to kill you, because it's like getting rid of your birth certificate. It's like you've never been born. But... I feel like it would be like write your death certificate. I that wasn't Look, her I, the hill for me. people have their phrases, Sarah. The so. hill people they have their own thing. Mama taught us that. They all line up on the street. They got weird things that they're saying. Yes, 
But so for the Oscars, I feel like when Glenn Close and Amy Adams were both nominated the same year, uh, two years ago, I believe, they both lost. I think they've both lost now six different times at the Oscars. So rub it in, Matt. Just rub it in. Yeah. So they're the na- so the narrative is like, when is Glenn Close going to win? When is Amy Adams going to win? Uh, they announced that this movie was coming out that was starring the two of them. And I feel like any project now that either of them is in, everyone is like, is this going to be it? Is this going to be it? Like, if they do a good job in anything that's good, I think that they sort of almost automatically win at this mm-hmm. point. So it's just like, when is it coming down the pipe? And the fact that both of them are in this movie together, and then they released the photos from it, and they got these wigs, and they, they look hideous, and it's just like such a, Did such you a watch chew on the scenery kind of the, thing. the credits, though, and saw the real footage from the real people? Because it yes. is spot on yes it is very accurate the, especially glenn clothes i was like i can't tell these women apart unbelievable also side note she dresses like noel from great british bake-off and i wish that i could pull that look off so badly i don't know who that is either it's a lot of like oversized tops and very skinny pants i feel like it makes one look top heavy but truly nailed it truly nailed it well i'll buy you some like xxl t-shirts while i'm in florida that you know are some like neon beachy kind of things and then you can just wear those when you you get back to new york but then the reviews started coming out for this movie and i feel like almost instantly before even it arrived at netflix people were like yeah maybe not maybe they're not gonna win the oscar this year because nobody really liked this movie and i think that their performances are fine but not great uh i thought amy adams was actually doing a good job in this like if she if she got nominated i would be perfectly fine with that i don't think that she necessarily deserves to win but i guess we'll see what else is out there in this weird year but glenn close i felt like really wasn't doing anything she I had felt the, the opposite really yes interesting i felt like amy was very much like playing the same role as she did in sharp objects in a yes. weird way yes that's you know? true very like tragic and disheveled it didn't feel mm-hmm. fresh to me mm-hmm. i don't know but i felt like glenn really nailed that like gruff you know tough love aspect I felt like Glenn just had really good costume and wig and smoked and she didn't really have to do anything else beside that. But isn't that what acting is at the end of the day? (laughs) Wearing a good wig and smoking. I would agree. What what more do people want? That's true. That is true. They say it every year. So do you think, though, that either of these people like do you can you see in the future them winning for this or do you think not now that you've seen it? Well, I mean, how many other movies are going to come out this year is the reality. Well, Hubie Halloween, but I guess that doesn't really have uh, much female competition. So <laughs> that's that's tough. You know, it might work in their favor that there are so few, you know, big releases that the Academy has to nominate them out of lack of options. Uh, that is that's definitely the case if either of them win or i mean even if they get nominated i feel like there will be an asterisk next to it that was like you know they won but there really wasn't any options for that Uh, the best we had yeah because i i mean it's crazy well one they pushed the oscar window back you know so much but it's wild that we're now sitting here like on almost december 1st and we still have really no idea of what's going to win what's going to be nominated what's going to be anything just because the oscars are so far off but also there's not very many competitors at this point and i feel like i just keep waiting for things to show up but at a certain point i don't know if there's going to be things that are showing up especially if theaters don't open and covid continues which it looks like it will i think that we could be sitting here in like mid-february sort of like well you know, Glenn Close was in a movie this year, and uh, I guess we could nominate her. But then do we get to a point where both Glenn Close and Amy Adams get nominated for this movie and then yet again don't win? And now we have seven nominations for both of them? Because I could also see that happening. I could see that happening, too. I feel like, though, in that case, they could use the same scene and just show it, like, just crop one person out. Yes. You know? hmm I Might mean... Yes. Yeah. Just we're short on time. We're just going to show one clip that. Has yeah, both they're always of them trying out. to shave down the the runtime on the Oscars. Just mm-hmm. just combine them, you know, and just give it to them and get it over with. 
That's what I think. A couple of things like with this movie coming out that I thought were really interesting. I checked today and this was the number six movie on Netflix, which is, I feel like, a real blow to a movie that has big stars in it, that it's getting beat out in the count by the Christmas Chronicles 2 and the Queen's Gambit, which has been out for 75 weeks at this point. I'm sorry. Have you seen Christmas Chronicles, though? No, but it's but, it's Kurt. It's hot Kurt Russell as Santa, so it's hot Santa and it's hot Kurt Russell. Did you see the second one yet, or you're saving it? And I'm uh, apparently I'm saving it for Christmas. That's my <laughs> new present. I don't know. Also, the number one show on Netflix right now is called Virgin River, which I was like, "What is this? I've never heard of this." Have you watched that at all? Oh, my mother is watching that. That's a mom watching show. It's one of those again. It's like returns to a small town and or maybe that's sweet magnolias you know what never mind i have no clue i have no clue she she was a lawyer but her mother was a drug addict she has to go home to you know sort of sort things out wait a second everything on netflix has the same plot these days uh it has a 26 percent on rotten tomatoes from critics but an 81 percent from audiences who is watching this movie and being like wow great film 81%. That's the thing. I mean, there were moments that really hit me and I was, I got wrapped up in it and I was like, oh, wow. Which moment hit you? I would like to know. (laughs) Okay. Well, now I have to think about it. (laughs) I mean, I think like the whole, the scene in the bathroom at the end really got Mm -hmm. me in the motel. Yes, that's true. It's, am I, am I allowed to say this? I'm going to say it. It's emotional masturbation. It's like these big dramatic scenes and it gets you all worked up and Mm -hmm. then you know it like it feels good in the moment and then it's over and you're like well there was no real substance to that so i think people who are just looking especially right now like mindless watching is very in like everything is kind of what can i do that is low effort and this is Mm -hmm. very low effort you know it's you can get the emotional highs and lows without really paying attention and mm-hmm. i think people enjoy that you know i i will say i was sort of getting a little emotional in the hill people funeral procession when that was happening i was a okay. little bit like well that's mm, okay. that may say a little bit more about you than i needed to know <laughs> uh one of my favorite things is to just read film reviews by journalists truly just like skewering a movie because i yeah. think that there's no higher form of of journalism than really a uh, uh, takedown of a movie and Allison Wilmore from New York Magazine wrote the film is like a package of assorted chicken parts that can't be assembled back into something approximating the shape of an actual animal there's way too much of some stuff while certain essentials are missing entirely which I agree with and I think I it's a very uh, great skewering of this film wow that is highly visual Allison thank you so much for that We should try to get her on the podcast as a special guest, honestly, at this point. I also really wanted to touch on quickly that Frida Pinto is in this movie. I was literally just about to say Frida Pinto. On my notes, it just says Frida Pinto in all caps with four question marks. She showed up and I was like, oh, I haven't seen you in in decades. You look exactly the same. Yes. She looked just like she was in uh, in in. um, Slumdog Millionaire. Yes, one of my favorite movies. I uh, also have to say, um, if any man called me at two in the morning or whatever ungodly hour he called her and was like, I'm, I have a 10-hour drive ahead of me, I'd say, drive safe. Call me in the morning. <laughs> you wouldn't say, let me have a 10-hour long conversation with you? I, I ain't staying up. No. You can listen to the, listen to the radio listen to a podcast, catch up on an audiobook. Like you do not need me. I need to be rested. Well, that th- I then I feel like you don't know what true love is, Sarah, cuz well, clearly that's what it was. I am still single. Um, <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen the movie Airplane? Y- yes. Yeah, like the comedy. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know how like he's telling his story to his seatmates and then Yes. He's talking and talking. He looks over and they are all dead or asleep. I was waiting yes. for them to just cut back to Frida, like fully calmed out. <laughs> that, yeah. That's the reality. 
Uh, I mean, yeah, he must have had interesting things to say or something. I don't know. Are you ready for the darkest timeline fact, though, that I learned about Frida Printo in the process of watching this? Please. The character that she's playing, the wife in the mm-hmm. movie of um, well, her, I guess, girlfriend at this point, J.D. Vance's girlfriend. girlfriend. Future wife. Yes, Usha. current yeah. wife. Uh, she was a clerk for Brett Kavanaugh. <gasps> she's so sweet in the movie, but I was like, oh, yeah, I can see why they scrubbed that tiny little detail out of the screenplay. Yeah, listen, this ain't this ain't Rory Gilmore's Yale, okay? Yeah. This is conservative elitism. <laughs> Were there are there any other things in your notes that you're like we need to discuss this? This is a part of the movie that we well, really need to just tackle. Um, they're pretty uh, messy. I have hard to distinguish and decipher. I guess I have everyone in the Midwest loves trampolines. <laughs> I also had that same thought. I was like, ah, love a trampoline. I also have an alternate title for the movie. Okay, somber fiddle music. <laughs> I think that pretty much covers it. I also feel like there was one like music drop at some point in there that was like a rock song or something like that was sort of like set off the shortest montage. And I can't remember what the song is, but I remember sort of like gasping at it being so abrupt from the fiddle music. Yeah, I was kind of enjoying the fiddle music. It was a it was a mood. It was a mood. I will say that. Also, this was filmed in Georgia, which you can definitely tell while watching it. It does not look like Ohio. I feel like it looks like the South and which was yet another reason why I was confused the whole time as to like, wait, this is actually all Ohio because this is a very different vibe than the Ohio that I know and not love, but have visited. Strong word, yeah. Okay, anything else? Anything else on this that you want to get off your chest? Thanks so much for demanding that I watch this. Um, It was a real honor. And if I had to rank this or The Kitchen... (sighs) (laughs) I have a clear winner in that. Rock and a hard place. Rock and a hard place. Um, I think I would have to say The Kitchen. Yes, I would agree. I'd watch The Kitchen 10 more times before I watched this. The Kitchen was an insane movie full of insane people doing insane things, and you never knew what was going to happen next. It made no sense, but it was like a wild ride. This, like, I would fall asleep in this, like your mom and you during The Crown. I was a little snoozy in some points, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing we always do is now, later, or never. If some, if you're like giving a recommendation for this movie, would you tell someone to watch it now, watch it later, or never watch this? I would say watch it later, like in the background of doing something else. Like clean your house or like do a craft and just sort of glance up every once in a while. But you don't need to watch it immediately. If they win the Oscar, watch in the background while doing something else. Okay. Yeah, that's that's about the only way that I can endorse watching this film is like if you're in sort of an Oscar completist and a win something, then you're like, okay, I guess so. But otherwise, I think this is a skip. I would I would also watch uh, Christmas. What was it? Hot Santa or whatever it was. Hot Santa Uh, 2. Hot Santa 2. I would watch that. I'd watch I would watch all of Virgin River, which I don't even know what that is before I watch this. Brutal brutal speaking of brutal it is time for love it or hate it sarah would you like to go first i would like to go first um this is also something that i admittedly slept through the beginning of you are seeing a common theme here um, <laughs> you're very tired these days <laughs> very t- this year has taken a lot out of me matt mm-hmm. um i did have the shall we say pleasure of viewing the pilot episode of the flight attendant starring uh big bang theories kaylee cuoco oh yes i heard it was i heard it was sort of rompy and fun uh <laughs> huh. hmm. no i guess i don't know i'm sure there are like kaylee cuoco stands out there who just want to root for everything she does i just she was I've never met one, but I'm sure there must be one somewhere. (laughs) I'm sure there must be one somewhere. She just is so, like, wide-eyed the whole time. Mm -hmm. And more confused than she should be for, like, the situation she is in. You Because what's the premise of the show, again? The premise is that she is a flight attendant. (laughs) Okay. um, 
from my recollection, not a very good one who <laughs> is obviously drunk all the time on those little mini vodkas. And oh, yeah. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? And flirts with all the passengers and then mm-hmm. ends up hooking up with this passenger in 3C, which is against the rules, according to, oh my gosh, what's her name? I think it's Rosie Perez, her coworker, who's like, oh, Kaylee Cuoco's my best friend. I was like, Rosie, Kaylee Cuoco's not your best friend. She's not your best friend. <laughs> you need new friends, Rosie. So she hooks up with this guy in 3C, and they have this crazy wild night out with more little mini vodkas. And then she wakes up in a, ho- in a hotel bed, and he's next to her stabbed through the throat covered in blood oh my gosh sorry yeah it got real dark um she's covered in blood and so what do you do you cover up the crime scene and flee the country right right (laughs) of course of Of course course. but then you you pack up your little vodkas and you hightail it out of there and you and you hit the tarmac and it's like you're a flight attendant you got an easy route out and then they of course the bodies discover they discover that he was on this flight they call in all the flight attendants right and are interviewing them and she keeps having these flashbacks where she's talking to 3c i forget his name and he's dead but she's like so confused by the flashbacks first of all i have to say she's continuously drunk on these mini vodkas so it's like first of all kaylee you're wasted so this is like an alcohol story where it's like she can't remember anything because it's she's drunk it's like um it's girl on the girl on the train except for girl on on a plane it's woman in the window it's you know, every psychological uh, thriller, unreliable narrator where the woman is drunk and so mm-hmm. they don't believe her. But guess what? It was actually the guy being a gaslighter. Surprise. Of course. It's like she's so confused by the flashbacks and she's like, what's going on? Like, I thought you were dead. And it's like, Kayla, you're drunk and you're traumatized. Like, you're obviously having a flashback. Like, she's she was just so unaware that she was having flashbacks. And I was like, get it together. Like why are you so confused all the time and, like, and you watched of, like, the whole thing i watched or the it's whole not pilot. all out yet oh, oh okay okay gotcha and i think the saddest part is that rosie perez very kindly offered to go get her quote-unquote yummy food and kaylee ghosted on her because she was having a drunk panic attack in her room and <laughs> just left the food in the hall Oh my gosh. There's really, really no excuse to turn down yummy food and just not eat it. From Rosie. And From it Rosie. $25. Oh my gosh. And I don't know if she paid her that money back. And if she didn't, I hope that Rosie narks on her. Doubtfully. I mean, honestly, Rosie does need to report this woman because she probably stabbed the guy in the neck. Actually, she didn't. He Somebody else stabbed her. But I think somebody else did. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I personally am not going to watch to find out. But if anyone does and wants to let me know, our fans in Ireland, please yeah. uh, watch that. What else do we, okay? What are our jobs for them? We have to figure out what the word crake means. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember what the second thing we asked them to do was. And now we need oh, them to the watch it'll, the flight it'll attendant. It'll diddle. It'll diddle. Oh, yes. It, it, will, it will dibble. And now the flight attendant. Okay. Yeah. Irish Hive Unite. This is what we need. Um, okay. My love it or hate it. I watched the movie Happiest Season, which just came oh. out. Have okay. you watched this yet? No, because I swear it had not been out for two hours when people were spoiling it on Twitter already. And it's like, I thought we had some sort of mutual respect for not spoiling things on Twitter right away. Well, I no? mean, it, it, yes, but it also is a rom-com. So I, I don't know how much spoiling there really is to be done. I don't know. Well, the point is, I know I have not seen it, but I know what happens. So just go ahead and tell me what happens so anyways this is the uh lesbian christmas movie starring Kristen stewart and mackenzie davis and also allison brie and aubrey plaza and dan levy from um schitt's creek love schitt's creek did you watch that sarah are you a schitt's creek person i'm catching up i'm not done catching yet up. okay okay well, you know, great. So uh, Kristen Stewart is going home for the holidays to visit Mackenzie Davis's family. But on the way, Mackenzie Davis is like, oh, by the way, I'm not out to them yet. So you're going to have to pretend to be my straight orphan roommate. And Kristen Stewart's like, OK. And then what various twisted, crazy rich Asians is this? I, exactly. And then various hijinks ensue from the various bigoted members of the family uh and it's christmas and it's very funny and it's a rom-com so it has sort of like a happy ending um (laughs) sorry nothing you just said 
connects with it's really funny and has well it's it's everybody in the cast is really funny so you know it's like it's one of those things where it's like there's weird situations that are entertaining and then in the end you know like love wins out over people who are homophobic so should i watch it i think you should i think it's a good christmas movie honestly it's very fun i mean it's a christmas rom-com so like what can you really what are you really expecting from it but the odd but the cast is really good and it does a nice job of making every character sort of like unique and have their own thing that's going on which i like in a rom-com so mm-hmm. that's fun it's like uh mackenzie davis's weird sisters are like all entertaining in their own way dan levy is kristen stewart's best friend and he's really funny throughout it so i thought it was a good movie but the most exciting part was that it was all filmed in and around Pittsburgh, which is where I went to college and then lived for a year afterwards. Uh, I thought that you went to college at University of Missouri. Yes. I Usually I tell people that I went to Mizzou because my actual college was like a very uh, crazy conservative school that Mike Pence was the commencement speaker at like two years after I left. But that adds to this story because when it was announced that they would be filming a movie in the town I went to college in, everybody on my social media and the college, everyone was so excited because like the town is so small that like this is the biggest news that has ever happened to them. However, people quickly realized that the movie was a lesbian Christmas movie and all news of it evaporated on the spot. So it was fun for me to watch because I was like, oh, look, like there's the movie theater we went to. There's the Italian restaurant. Like this is the street. There was a bar that was right around the corner from my house when I lived in Pittsburgh. And I was watching the movie and I was like, this place looks familiar. And then I sort of put it together. So it was very fun for me to watch. Like on top of it being what I would say is a good, fun Christmas movie. It was added added points because it was all of these locations that I know. So That's if you're fun. from the Pittsburgh area, I think this is definitely a movie you should watch because there's lots of Pittsburghy type things throughout. That's fine. Here's my thing is that so many Christmas rom-coms, particularly on, you know, Netflix and Hallmark, particularly yes. the movie Midnight at the Magnolia, which I just watched on Netflix, which is terrible. They're okay. all set in Chicago, but they're filmed in, like, Toronto. So oh, yes. I hate that. There's no fun, like, oh, there's the Sears Tower. Like, oh, I know where that is, you know? It's always Toronto. Did you see Office Christmas Party? No, I did not. It it came out, like, I don't know, three years ago, maybe four years ago. It had Jennifer Aniston in it and Kate mm-hmm. McKinnon. And that actually is set in Chicago, and they drive all around Chicago. So if you're looking for a Chicago Christmas movie... That is one that I remember being, you know, funny enough. And then happy that's seasons all, that's for Pittsburgh. All I need. Funny enough is just right for me right now. <laughs> Keeps me awake is honestly the yeah, the main really the, the bar that we're trying to cross at this point. That's a listen, that's a pretty high bar, I gotta say. For you and your mom. That's two people who gotta stay awake for through all of this. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. I think that's it. Anything else that you would like to say while you're on air? Anything you'd like to plug? Any random thoughts you have that you just like want to put out into the universe? Would you like to talk more about Um, any of your sort of weird uh, celebrity crushes on people such as Post Malone? Okay. We we said it once and that's enough. We don't (laughs) need to do it twice. Um, I would just say, you know, shop local. Uh, Support your local indie bookstore for the Mm -hmm. Christmas and holiday season. Um, Amazon is a nightmare and they are eating your favorite bookstores alive. So yes, support your local indie. Amazon is truly truly the the devil incarnate Amazon. And yes, like just (sighs) go out to a cute little bookstore, wear your mask, buy the book. Maybe you'll fall in love there because that's what happens in Christmas movies. That happens in Christmas movies. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on and filling in the spot for Shelby. Thank Absolutely. you for watching thank this truly horrific me. film. Oh, my gosh. Anytime. Anytime. Uh, if you want to come back and, you know, if, if you see a movie in the next year and you're like, wow, that looks truly horrendous. I don't want to see it. T- give me a text. <laughs> then I'll text you and ask you to watch it to be on the podcast again. I I love that. That sounds good. 
that's the that's the energy that you that we have when you're on the show and that's that's an energy that not everyone can bring so i'm excited i'm honored thank you um for those of you listening we'll be back next week i'm not exactly sure what we'll be discussing or who the guest will be you know we're still we're still working that out maybe shelby will have had her baby at that point and we'll have information on that for you who yeah, knows you gotta cut the maternity leave short she's gotta get yeah. back to work if she's not ba- if she, if the baby has not been born by next week i'm just dragging her back on the podcast because at this point it's sort of like almost just laziness i think i would yeah honestly Follow us on social media. We're at PSU Wrong. Again, I don't know what will be posted there because that is Shelby's terrain and not mine. But I am the person reading the reviews. So if you go to Apple Podcast and leave us a review, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, I am the one checking the email. So if you want to send us an email at PSURong at gmail.com, that's also perfect. To our Irish fans, we're looking for Crake. We're looking for Ibble Dibble. And what's the third thing we're looking for? Now I can't remember. Oh, God. Who knows? Just rewind uh, for, a little bit. I don't bit. think that you should say you're looking for Crake. It, even if it's not what we think it, if it is what we think it is, I just don't think we should say something like that on, on there. Okay. Yeah. Also looking for Ibble Dibble sounds like it could also be a... I think I think that's what, what people do in Central Park late at night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's either that or it's a book about a woman who lost her dog those are the only two things that looking for ibble dibble are uh okay well wow this has been a truly deranged episode thank you again for being on here sarah and i'll see all of you next week bye bye